in that industry was a huge compliment because I had to conduct myself in a certain way. I had to make sure that I was viewed a certain way, that there was a respect level there. And it was something that I had to set the tone for, which wasn't always easy because there was this thinking that, you know, we should be shaking our butts on a stage and not necessarily making the moves behind the scenes. Hey, I'm Boss Fam. As you'll hear in this very special episode, I had the pleasure of attending a cookout at this week's guest's home 10 years ago. This was before she became known as the queen of reality TV. I'm talking about Mona Scott Young. Mona drops gems, lots of them. She's filled with wisdom and she's ready to share it, y'all. She's been in the entertainment game for a long time and she has the receipts to prove it. As you'll soon learn, Mona had a culturally rich upbringing, and she was raised with a whole lot of grit. She co-founded Violator Records with business partner Chris Lighty, rest in peace, and became instrumental to the lives and careers of hip-hop heavyweights like Missy Elliott, LL Cool J, 50 Cent, and so many more artists. For the last 10 years, Mona has captivated an even broader audience as the CEO of Monami Entertainment and the creator of the reality TV behemoth, Love & Hip Hop. On this episode of Unbossed, she opens up about her love of supersized reality TV and, of course, telenovelas. Mona is unbothered by naysayers, and she's proud to provide platforms for others to shine. Once you hear her speak... For even just a few seconds, you won't want her to stop. Her life story is truly just a well of wisdom. So get ready to learn a thing or two from an entertainment veteran. Quick little story for you. Sure. I have been to your home. You have? have. Sorry. So this is maybe eight years ago. Nine, okay. I just moved to New York. Okay. My best friend at the time, Tiffany Harden. Oh, of course. <laughs> My little protege. Yes. Yes. And we definitely, it was like a 4th of July barbecue. Girl, that's, and my niece calls my house the party house. It was because the party house. we know how to get and together and lit. celebrate. It was just so much fun. It, but it was also homey. Yes. Which I needed at the time because I just moved here. Oh my God. And um, I remember we I sent her a text just last night and I was like, okay, so wasn't that like eight years ago? And she was like, yeah, and I had that little kid. So there was a little boy there. Oh. We were all playing Uno. Mm-hmm. And he thought that, me and Tiffany were hustling him. Oh, that's hysterical. Yes. Would this little boy have been my son? <laughs> it wasn't your, so it was, he was not your son. Okay. But he raised up from the table and did a side point like What? Like, said, yo, you, you trying to take me? my we, money? We literally were sitting there like, what? what? That is but hysterical. It's, it's a memory that we refer to all the that time. That is pure comedy. So I had to hit her up. I was like, yo, I'm about to, like, should I tell Mona about this? Of course. Like, uh, girl. Of course. <laughs> But you know what is so funny? I meet people all the time because we have a very open environment at my home and we love to come together and celebrate because with all of my traveling and work, that's the time that I get to gather all the friends and then they bring their friends. So it becomes like an extended network that we just continue to build and grow. And I always feel so good when people say, oh, you know, I came to your house for Thanksgiving. Like I just had 30 (laughs) some people for Thanksgiving. And there are quite a few of them. But my husband was like, there is a man asleep on the couch. I have no idea who he is. (laughs) And we just have to trust that they're friends of friends which makes them a friend but it always feels so good when people say that to me because that's what the purpose is you know being able to provide that environment and create memories it's such a memory to me and because it was around a time where I had just moved Mm -hmm. here I didn't Mm -hmm. know anyone you never know how you're touching people Yeah, that's what I felt you never know I had this young woman come up to me when I went to the 
Urban Honors and said to me, like, you, you know, we met briefly, you stopped to talk to me when no one else would give me attention, and you looked me in the eye, and you were like, don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. And she goes, and that stayed with me. It's been 10 years, and I'm yes. just like, Jesus, I'd be lying if I said I remembered that. <laughs> but right. thank you, God, for yeah, using I, you, me. You know you what I'm saying? I, I, you touch a lot of people. Oh, I appreciate you that. Know you, yeah, you definitely do. Well, um, let's touch the more of the okay. people. I am sitting here with the amazing... Oh. Just beautiful, stunning. Um, just I, I could go, go on. Go on, on. go you on. Beautiful, stunning. Yes, yes. Intelligent, <laughs> quick-witted, oh. um, unbothered. Mona Scott Young. How you doing, Mona? I'm great, and what an amazing introduction. <laughs> Can I just take you everywhere with me? Yes, you introduce please. me right before I walk into a meeting. I, I send you in woman. ahead of me. I will be your high woman, 100%. <laughs> I love it. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for taking a little time to talk with me today. Absolutely. Welcome to Unbossed. Um, so Unbossed. This, I love that. I love it. I love yes. that you love it. And we're going to get into why it's Unbossed. And I'll specifics. tell you why I think it's Unbossed. And you could tell me what you guys really meant. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what I my takeaway is. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, so technically that's at the end, but if we can get into it now, too. You know, it's interesting. The last couple of weeks have been, like, just really hard because we have so much that's happening. I've got a lot going on. And really being able to recognize the fact that, and sometimes you just got to give yourself kudos and pat yourself on the back, you Absolutely. know, that I am really doing it. Yes. I've... You know, I set a course and here I am in the thick of it and I'm not thinking about it, but I'm really doing it and I'm doing it my way and on my terms. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and a shout out to everybody that goes in every day and does what they have to do. But there is nothing like the feeling of knowing that you took a shot on you and no matter what happens, you're going to be the keeper of your fate the orchestrator of your destiny mm. to me that is unbossed Absolutely. it's unbossed boss <laughs> you know <laughs> yes yes i love it like i said technically that usually comes i'll kind of get into that at the end i just messed up your whole format absolutely not you just refreshed it we set it off it. we set, set it off, off. Let's exactly set it off. um i also love just starting off with that because you just you embody that Oh, so let's back it up just a little bit, though. Okay. I like to ask everyone, very first question, what was your very, very, very first job? First paycheck. My very, very, very first job. I mean, if we go all the way back, I've been working since I was 15 years old. I probably, my first job was at D'Agostino's Supermarket. Okay. I don't even think they exist anymore. I think, I, I think they maybe want. In Greenwich Village. Yeah. And I was there for all of a week. Okay. I was like, oh, no, this is not for me. Excuse me. Did she just throw that tomato at me? Oh, no. You know? So it was just like, oh, geez, am I going to be able to punch in and yeah. have a job? But, I mean, listen, I've worked my entire life, like I said, in multiple jobs. Okay. Also, um, that's a big part of why college really wasn't an option for me because I was, you know, working two jobs at the time. But that was my very first job. Checkout counter at D'Agostino's. Okay. That's funny. My first job, too, was a uh, grocery store. I'm from the Midwest. Okay. But, yes, I remembered having to push some carts during the summer. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm not about this life. Right. That's exactly what happened in that moment yes. when she slid that tomato across the counter. Yes. I was like, like mm, this isn't for me. not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Tell me about your upbringing. I know you are the child of 
Haitian parent. Haitian parents. You know, that's a very big part of your identity. And Absolutely. And I'll talk some more about my tell identity about, because about I did my DNA testing, but we'll get okay. to that. <laughs> um, I grew up uh, Upper West Side of Manhattan okay. back before it was the quote unquote Upper West Side of Manhattan. <laughs> we lived on um, 86 in Columbus. My mother, my sisters. I didn't really know my father. Okay. Uh, I have maybe two memories. One of them was him coming over and me seeing this man that I had a vague memory of. And the next time my mother flew me in because by then we had flown, we had uh, moved to St. Croix in the Virgin Islands and I was put on a plane. It was my very first plane ride on my own. And when I got to JFK, she started changing me into black tights and a black tutu. (laughs) And I was like, why are you changing me? And she said, your father died. And we went right from the airport to a funeral. And so my very next memory was him in a casket. Wow. So those are the two memories of my father. My mother, of course, was, you know, all I knew growing up. She was mother, father, everything, you know, gave us everything that she possibly could. And um, she was a little bit of a rolling stone, which which turned out to be a good thing because it allowed me to be very open in life to culture, different people. It allowed me to learn languages because we also lived in Puerto Rico for a bit. And um, because we didn't have an antenna, which allowed us to watch English television, I was forced to watch Spanish Spanish. television all day long. And I needed to understand what Fred Flintstone was saying. (laughs) Los Pica Piedras. (laughs) And when I would watch the soap operas, way too young, shouldn't even been watching them, but it was like, Cristina Bassan. You know, and that's where I got the flair for the dramatic. And and it's so funny because I talk a lot about how love and hip hop at its core Mm -hmm. is a telenovela. I just, it's a soap opera. My mind is being blown right now because Mm -hmm. of that. Yes. I never heard that aspect of your story and just, just the idea of, you know, little Mona sitting in front of the TV, mm-hmm. like looking at these tele- um, novelas, telenovelas yeah. and just the fact that your career now, like mm-hmm. no drama. Exactly. Because yeah, like, I was way. raised on Latin drama. Right, there yes. is no bigger drama than a Latin soap opera <laughs> drama. You know what I'm saying? And so it was about kind of telling these stories that were larger than life and told in this yeah. very hyper exaggerated way. Yeah. And that's what love and hip hop is. It. Am I the only person core. that didn't see it? I'm looking around the room at everybody like now, but I just am I the only person that didn't see it because, like I said, my mind is being blown. I just it's love it's this. it's what it is, and okay. it's rooted in the real stuff, but we but supersize it's, it's it. Extra. It's extra. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's dramatic. You know, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. And you know, learn to speak Spanish, and you know. Lived in Canada for a little bit, learned to speak French because my mother and father are Haitian. So, you know, Creole is the language that I grew up on. So I would speak to her in English. She would answer me in Creole and I would speak to my stepfather in Spanish and he would answer me. I mean, in English, he would answer me in Spanish. So in my mind, languages just became one form of communication. There wasn't a barrier to learning new languages. So, I mean, I credit that for a lot of my ability to just connect with people in all walks of life. Got it. So tell me about how did you end up getting, let's back up a little bit. So little Mona Mm -hmm. (laughs) learning these languages and having all these experiences and this travel and um, what did, what did you want to be when you grew up? What kind of informed that aspect of you? Well, 
It's interesting because growing up in a Haitian household, anybody who has Haitian parents know you're a doctor, doctor lawyer, yeah. engineer, yeah. right? And that, of course, was always my mother's dream and aspiration. But what I was witnessing, what I was seeing is this woman who made things happen with whatever tools she had at her disposal. And when there came a point in my life where I realized that those tools were very limited, yeah. she could not read or write. But wow. I lived in homes and I went to private school and she did absolutely everything in her power to make it happen. What shaped me was this vision that anything was possible, that no matter what the limitations are that have been placed on you, whatever tools or lack of that you've been given, you have the power to overcome that. Mm. And that was really what became the core of who I am and the philosophy that I approach life with. Mm. You know, so yeah. I didn't go to college, as I said. And that was, of course, for my mother, a huge disappointment. Um, and I can't even honestly say I followed a dream. Did you want to go to college at some point? Of or course. Was it just not? Of course. Of yeah. course. Because I actually enjoy learning. Got it. You know, so that was something I wanted to do because I wanted not only the experience, but the information. Yeah. You know, one of the things about me is that I always feel like information, education, knowledge, that's something no one can ever take away from you. Absolutely. They can fire you from a job. They can kick you out of a group. But they can't take away what's in your head, what you know. And so I'm always looking to know more. I'm always looking to learn more. So not having the ability to kind of get that formal education, um, as disappointing as it was for my mother, it was crippling for me for a very long time in my life, and my career. Because somewhere in the back of my head, I always felt like I don't know enough. Got it. And I don't have the credentials. And I don't belong in this room. You know, so I would sit in meetings even as I was navigating my way and even when I had other jobs in my life and constantly have that doubt yeah. in the back of my head. Should I say something? Will I sound stupid? Will I, you know, be yeah. able to um, be on par with the people in this room? And it held me back. Okay. It held me back because I operated from a place of fear, mm. you know? But you don't have that fear now. Well, you know, there are things that you have to lean into. And one of the things that I leaned into in my life is my gift, okay. right? The gift I have for understanding people, the gift I have for making things happen, for seeing the end result or what the end product of something would be mm -hmm. and being able to retroactively figure out how to get yeah, to that end. I know how to chart that. Journey. I know how to chart it. Yeah. I understand how to look at different, you know, pieces of something and put them together to form the whole. And that's what producing is. Yeah. You know, at its very core. It is. And when I became a music manager, which was another thing that I knew nothing about, but kind of just set about teaching myself and learning about the business, it was really about just seeing this is the end goal. They want to have this thing communicated to the world. How do how do I How get do there? Yeah. What are those steps? Okay. And I was able to put that together. So I leaned into my natural gift. So let's back up and talk about those natural gifts. Mm -hmm. How <laughs> does, okay, so you're, you know, your kid, you're not, you weren't able to go to, to college. Mm -hmm. You end up co-founding what to me is, I'm actually kind of standing right now because Violator was such a big part of my childhood the mm -hmm. music i remember like the cd i remember like it just the with, the, with the animated, with the animated. exactly it was such mm -hmm. a big deal mm -hmm. i think i was aging myself a little bit i think i was maybe junior high, mm -hmm. high something like that right and i remembered 
take like you know we had like Walkmans and CD players mm-hmm. and everybody had that album right and right. everybody was playing like I remember the the Nori song like I just remember it back to back right it's such a defining like moment for my music the musical the mm-hmm. hip-hop mm-hmm. aspect of my childhood when you know they talk about oh music should be a soundtrack to your life yes. I think everyone can look at that period that album those artists Just that music artists. and attach it to a specific memory and time in their lives which yeah. is what any content is supposed to do yes. it's supposed to evoke a feeling for you and it's supposed to take you to a place and yeah. you know definitely that was such a, a special time in my life I came into that again you you know, started managing just by virtue of my ability to figure things out. And that led me to meeting Chris Lighty. Yeah. And at the and time that you were, was it, there's an association here with track. Masters, well, if right? you want me to go all the way back, can we, we could do that. Back? I just can don't know back? what time, how much time you got, girl. <laughs> I, mean, um, <laughs> girl I got all the time for all you. Time I know you got, I know you got things to do. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so I actually got into entertainment right by virtue of going into a dance studio to take a an aerobics class I've always you know wanted to be fit tried to get in shape and so this you know this go around was I'm going to take aerobics everybody's doing aerobics and they're all thin in their (laughs) spandex so I'm going to be thin too and I went into Broadway dance studio and they had an aerobics class and I took the class and as I was leaving the studio I picked into a window and there was this other thing happening in this room and it was this you know these women and they had a bunch of people behind them and they were holding microphones and they were looking into the camera and I, I mean the win- uh, the mirror and I was like what on earth are they doing and it turned out to be a program run by these sisters called Dun- you know they had a company called Duntori and it was the Dunn sisters okay. shout out to Robin Greta yes and these women were um, they had developed this program called Stage Moves and what they would do is teach artists how to perform how to hold the microphone how to project you know choreography dance moves staging and but in the course of it you were just having fun and dancing yeah so I went in and took a class and found what is probably my natural passion in life dancing Wow. And okay. I realized like this is something that I can do and I can do well and it affords me a freedom because in this room, it doesn't matter if you're good at it. Everyone is just, just they're doing, doing it, it doing yeah. their thing. And I loved it and I started doing it. And next thing you know, I started working with the ladies and I started, you know, working with artists. And one of the artists that I was working with was a uh, hip hop group, a rap group at the time called the A-Team. And they were signed to Chub Rock on Select Records. And they came to me and they were like, do you want to manage us after I'd been working with them for some time and I'm like I don't know what the hell that means but (laughs) sure let's try it and Trackmasters were the producers who had produced their album and they were the ones who you know really championed me being a manager and I'm putting air quotes up again (laughs) because again didn't know what the hell I was doing and um, that led to me working with the Trackmasters managing them fast forward we worked on everyone Usher um, Heavy D Mary J Oblige, uh, Big, LL, Hey Lover. I remember um, I had met Boys to Men out in Willingboro, New Jersey. I'm like standing right now. (laughs) Exactly. And when LL decided that he wanted to do that song, he was like, I want Boys to Men on it. I was like, oh my God, I could do this. I could make this happen. (laughs) And I reached out to the guys and they agreed to do it and put that song together. So everything that we did back then at Violator was 
geared towards I've skipped a little bit of the story. So okay. Chris Lighty was okay. leaving Def Jam at the time yes. and they had uh, leaders of the new school and Tribe Called Quest and Mob Deep, a bunch of acts that were going to be without managers. Okay. And at the same time, Trackmasters decided that they wanted to go their own way. So Chris and I connected and he wanted me to come in and help him as he transitioned to Def Jam okay. to become, you know, the A&R yeah. um, over there and to have violated records. We had Foxy Brown. Shout out to Foxy. Shout out to Fox forever. Exactly. And Warren <laughs> G. Yes. And okay. so I said, well, what's going to happen to all the acts that were at, were um, no, that were over at Rush? And he was like, mm, you know, wow. and I was like, well, we can do a management thing. That's crazy to even think about. And he was like, go for it. That whole roster. And that's how Violator Management was born because there was only Violator Records yes. at the time. And um, I had this little office at Dev Jam. Lior <laughs> didn't know what the hell I was doing in that space. I remember one day he called the office for Chris and I picked up the phone and said, Violator Management. And he was like, who is this? I can't even do the Lior accent. There is no such thing as Violator Management. It's Violator Records. You know, but fast forward for 20 plus years, we built that company to be the premier urban management company. And yeah. over the course of the years, managed everyone. And it was so important for us to protect the legacy of what they were doing in urban music. We were watching hip hop be appropriated yep. in every medium, in every form to sell every product. And they weren't being compensated properly mm -hmm. and they weren't being positioned properly. And so we took that on. We, you know, became kind of the guardians, yeah, the shepherds, the, the exactly yeah. the gateway. And um, it was incredibly successful. And um, like I said, we, you know, had the honor of representing Missy Elliott, who I still manage to yeah. this day, Busta Rhymes, Tripod Quest, Mama, L Cool J, Mob Deep. I just, um, and the list goes I'm on I'm sitting and on. here just thinking of around the time when you started there, mm -hmm. how old were you? Oh, gee, early, early 20s. Okay. Early 20s, yeah. It had to take a lot of grit. Mm. I didn't, I didn't grit know any better. A lot of, I mean, just to, you be know. Able to go into that space because, you know, it is, it's male dominated. And back then, way more misogynistic. Way more misogynistic. We like, didn't have Me Too. No, no, me too. We didn't yeah. have PC. Yeah. It was a what Wild Wild West free for all. What did it take for a black woman mm -hmm. to come in, to be in a space like that? to survive mm -hmm. and to thrive. What did it take? I, I have to say incredible support from Chris who okay. saw yeah. something, believed in me, believed that I could stand side by side. I remember one, one of the things he said to me that I to always considered a compliment and live by is he said, well, actually no, because I'm very proud and happy to be a woman. He said, you're wasted as a woman. You would have made such a dope dude, you know, like, but to come <laughs> from him, I understand yeah, the cop, coming from yes, him, right, yes. in that time, in that industry yeah. was a huge compliment because I had to conduct myself in a certain way. I had to make sure that I was viewed a certain way, that yeah. there was a respect level there. And it was something that I had to set the tone for, yes. which wasn't always easy because there was this thinking that, you know, we should be shaking our butts on a stage and not necessarily making the moves behind the scenes. Yeah. What advice do you have for black women who are in, they might be in a situation like that now where mm -hmm. they're, they're, they feel pressure to 
be a certain thing that they're not Mm -hmm. or to fit in in a certain way to appease, you know, a male environment. What advice do you have? You know, it's interesting that you ask about that because if that is who you are, if you are a woman who wants to step into your sexuality and your feminism and use that for whatever, you know, purposes, whether it's your music or however, embrace that, whoever you are. Right. Whatever your interest, be that to the fullest and lean into that and know who you are. Because, again, there's a judgment free way that I like to look at who we are as women, as black people. You know, we should have the freedom to experience ourselves and be ourselves. Right. To the fullest of our capability, this idea that we can only present ourselves one way all the time, it is not true to who we are. And until we step into our full truth, right, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. And so, you know, there's always so much that people have to say about Love and Hip Hop and the cast members. I'm proud of every single person who is living their truth Mm -hmm. and living their truth loudly and proudly. What um to anybody to anybody out there who um has something to say mm-hmm. about what you do right especially in the love and hip hop it is controversial and a lot of people I, mm. I hear a lot of I, I hear, what is, let's talk about what yeah. I do, what do I do? provide platforms for people Break it down. to have the ability to leverage however they see fit, right? Whether that be to get your music out there, your waist trainers out there, to build from. If they choose to do something that is contrary to what they think is what they would like to see happen with their lives, they have the opportunity for correction. They have the opportunity to reset. I tell them all the time, right? Until you take your last breath, there is always a chance to get it right, to change it, to do it differently if that's what you choose to do. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity and the platform that we present, we present it without judgment because it's more about giving them that empowerment, giving them that financial empowerment, that ability. Let's talk about all of the incredible success stories Yes. You know, I went to Rashida's Frost Bistro, super proud to see her and Kirk open up, you know, a beautiful establishment. They've got two press stores. You know, Kay Michelle has her um, uh, lounge, Puff and Petals in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I can go on and on, you know, Carly Red with all of the things that being a part of Love and Hip Hop has enabled them to do. Mm-hmm. And so... What should I be ashamed of? What should I be embarrassed about? What should they not want to be a part of? And these women are who they are. And there's something about who they are that resonates with our demographic, with our people, because they are tuning in. Yeah. You know, so listen, we come and I say this all the time in a full range of personalities, full range of experiences. And those experiences are a product of where we come from how we were raised, what we had available to us, what our families were able to provide for us. And if you can take those, uh, you know, those things and use them to take you to a different place. And if I can be a part of that journey, then I'm incredibly proud for what I do every single day. And I can't allow myself to be impacted by what other people who don't know me aren't in those conversations. I can't. Right, that's a snap. I don't oh, know there you go. The yeah, mic. my IG, it says if they don't know you personally, don't take it personal. That's right. That's you know, right. God bless everybody. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, so, I mean, 
I could sit here for with you for three hours. I, I am so mad my flight and all of that okay. delay because don't worry about it. this don't worry conversation about it. <laughs> really allows me the opportunity to share in a way that I yeah. don't do often. And I love. So I thank just, you for that. And you you came ready to share, and I appreciate that. No, absolutely. I'm excited. <laughs> we have a lot going on. Love and hip hop season yes. ten. Let's talk about that. Yes. To be here for you know ten, 10 seasons. seasons. That's a big deal. That's a testament it to is. the power, the staying power of the show, the concept, the cast members, the way they put their lives out there. We are super excited to have so many of our cast members coming yep. back home. The pressure's on. <laughs> Season 10, you know, the 10-year anniversary of Love & Hip Hop New York. So what about you? Are there are there any other opportunities coming up where you are sharing more about yourself and your journey and you're dispelling just dismissing all this wisdom you know it's, because you are full of wisdom and i want all of it I right appreciate now that. i mean <laughs> you know I in a perfect it, world i, want, I love I the opportunity going. to share that's why i could yeah. sit here and talk to you forever you know i am uh starting a podcast okay. and um also doing a little bit in the talk space as well and i've been you know thinking about putting together some kind of a live tour that allows okay. me to take this kind of narrative on the road and Absolutely. share with women um i know there are so many kind of empowerment um, things that go on all the time but yeah. a lot of them is just you know hearing women talk about their lives and talk about themselves for me I want it to be a two way dialogue yeah. and I want you know to be able to give women specific information that will help them in their journeys yes. you know so that is definitely something that I'm looking to put together we got into what embossed means yes. to you earlier yep. and that was uh, very important to me and um, it's to me, you hit it right on the nose, but I want to know more about who's a woman that's in your life mm -hmm. that you, that is on boss that kind of meets that standard right. that you have. Who's somebody that you admire? Missy misdemeanor Come Elliot. On now. Missy she is having yeah. a stellar Love year. It. And for me, I'm so proud to see all of her work, all of her passion for what she does. Not finally, because everyone's been touched by her music, yes. but get recognized while she is here. Get recognized in a way that allows her to continue to be inspired and continue to give to us because that's what it should be about, right? Yeah. This ecosystem called life. Absolutely. We should be able to you know, give life and give kudos and give props and give love to the people who in turn inspire us so that we create the cycle of support and the cycle of empowerment. And to see her reaction to the, you know, uh, honors that she's getting, the, she, we, you know, had the, the urban honors where she yep. was recognized with, you know, the Innovation Award and she was honored at the uh, UN for Women's Day. And it's just amazing because I see this filling yes. her up. And I see it, you know, getting her light inside to shine more brightly. And I know the end result of that is going to be something amazing yeah. that in turn lights a fire within everyone and everyone else. Yes. Ooh, and our, I got chills just. Oh man, I miss so much. Today I am flexing in my I see, complexion. I see that shirt. I see it. Thank you, Mona. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, for, you for having me. Thank, thank you, you for, for being patient. Time. Oh, it's okay. Yes, I, I love it. Essence. Shout out to all my <laughs> wonderful ladies of Essence. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Unbossed. You can find Unbossed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, please be sure to leave me a review and let me know what you think. Be kind, but be critical. That's okay, too. 
don't forget to hit me up on social at Marquita underscore Harris underscore. Be sure to use the hashtag UnbossPodcast. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys.